Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. L, you really must try this. It's Puerco Bibil. It's a slow roasted pork, nothing fancy. It just happens to be my favorite. And I order it with a tequila and lime in every dive I go to in this country. And honestly, that is the best it's ever been anywhere. In fact, it's too good. It's so good that when I'm finished, I'll pay my check, walk straight into the kitchen, and shoot the cook. Because that's what I do. I restore the balance to this country. And that is what I would like from you right now. Help me keep the balance by pulling the trigger. Good evening and welcome to Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Beware, spoilers. Coming to you from my basement, my name is Don. And to my right, we have our comic book guy, John. How you doing? And to my left, we have the professor, Ken. Hola. Quick question. Sir, yes, sir. This is the best pork I've ever had. Did your wife cook it? Uh, no, it's uh, Puerco Bibil. It's uh, nothing fancy. just happens to be my favorite. I, I may have to kill the, the cook later. Yeah. You want me to kill the cook? No, I'll kill the cook. Uh, my car's parked out back anyway. Once Upon a Time in Mexico, released on September 12th, 2003. Directed by Robert Rodriguez. Screenplay by Robert Rodriguez. Stars Antonio Banderas, Sama Hayek, Johnny Depp. Mickey Rourke, Eva Mendez, Danny Trejo, Enrique Iglesias, Marco Leonardi, Cheech Marin, Ruben Blades, and William Defoe. Willem. Willem Defoe. It's not William. I'm sorry, Mr. Defoe. Willem Defoe. Cool. Thank you, sir. No, That's no, I, why he is the professor. I love the name. Antonio Banderas. Well, you say it with such style. That's I think good. we, like we all have our way of saying it. In fact, I think we should let the listeners decide which one of us can say the name the best. The most suave. So we'll each take a turn, go around saying his name, and then in the comments for this, if you have a preference of which one says it, me, which is John, Don, or Ken, you let us know who says Antonio Banderas, best. Is that how you're going to say it? Because no. you just said it. I got I to I hype myself <laughs> up a little bit. So I'll go first. This is John. Okay. Antonio Banderas. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Eh. Not bad. You want me to go or you want to go? I'll go. Okay. Hit me. Antonio, how do you say, oh, yes, Banderas. That was pretty good. I, I like might want to go again. Come no, on. you can't, dude. Okay. You only get to come once. <laughs> Wait, that's, that's <laughs> not what I meant. <laughs> well, we are talking about Antonio Banderas. That's true. That's Antonio true. Antonio Banderas. All right, Don. I don't know. That was better. Oh, that was bad. better. But, you know, that's okay. Okay, okay your turn. Yeah. <laughs> it's my turn. Uh, Antonio Banderas? Lame. <laughs> wow. All right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, how about this one? How about this one? Antonio 
Banderas. That's better. Oh, thanks. A mariachi becomes involved in international espionage involving a psychotic CIA agent and a corrupt Mexican general. I didn't know what this movie was about until 41 minutes into it. Oh, yeah? Why is that? Because the story was just not really all that prevalent. It was action scenes and style and camera shots and not necessarily heavy on content. And I didn't understand the motivation for uh, Johnny Depp's character, Sands, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, El Mariachi, what his what his deal is. I will say that I did find a great deal of confusion in how the movie opened because uh, having Cheech Marin in there, wait, no, he, he, he was killed in Desperado. Okay. Maybe this is taking place before Desperado. No, no, because there he is. He's talking now about how this tall Mexican Right, so he's referencing to that point about Desperado, and so now I'm really confused because, so you pick the same actor for your trilogy to play a different character. He did it twice in the movie, and I was so perplexed by that, and it 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 threw me off my game, and I didn't understand where this movie was was going, and and uh, why we were spending so much time with Sands and what. Who's he and why is he calling so many shots? I, I the, the storyline was was pretty cryptic until it's finally re- revealed about 40 minutes into the movie about L being motivated to avenge his wife being killed by the general. 41 minutes, huh? Yes, 41 <laughs> minutes. I wrote I'll it down. Ken's explanation almost took about 41 minutes. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> nice. Well done, sir. Uh, um, all, you, you, have a, you have a valid point. I, I can see why you would, would think that, because you're right. It is a lot of uh, action. It is a lot of style. I think that's... Did you see Desperado? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and and I really enjoyed Desperado. As a matter of fact, I watched Desperado three days before I watched uh, Once Upon a Time. I have not seen Once Upon a Time before, but I remember Desperado very fondly. And as I started watching the movie again, it's like, why do I not own this movie? This is such a fun movie. Yes. I really am. I really enjoyed Desperado a lot. And having the uh, the experience of Desperado and then moving into Once Upon a Time, and I know it's supposed to be part of a trilogy story, I, I, I was in the weeds. A mariachi is recruited by CIA agent Sheldon Jeffrey Sands to kill General Emiliano Marquez, a corrupt Mexican army officer who has been hired by a Mexican drug lord, Armando Barrio to assassinate the president of Mexico and overthrow the government. Years before, El Mariachi and his wife Carolina confronted Marquez in a shootout and wounded the general. In retaliation, Marquez took the lives of Carolina and their daughter in an ambush. In addition to El Mariachi, Sands persuades former FBI agent 
Jorge Ramirez to come out of retirement and kill Barrio, who had murdered his partner in the past. Sands also assigns AFN operative Andres to tail Barrio. All right, so we're going to get back to Ken and what he was saying about the opening. First off, Robert Rodriguez has to be one of my all-time favorite directors, uh, dating back to El Mariachi in 92, I think it was. Uh, yeah, he, he's a badass. He made that movie for $7,000. Yeah, right. just incredible. And then uh, Desperado was put together for only $3 million. Yeah. And it looks great. Uh, I read this thing, or I probably saw this thing about Desperado, is they had money left over. There's a crane shot in Desperado, and Rodriguez had never used a crane before. And so because they had the extra money, he came in, and they shot that shot, and it was a gorgeous shot. He came in under budget. He had extra money, so he got to play a little bit, you know? And I think that's one of the fun things about a Robert Rodriguez movie is uh, it feels like you're playing. You uh, you said it best. It, it had style, uh, action, um, but you felt like the story wasn't really there. For me, the way I've always seen it is El Mariachi and Desperado are kind of the equivalent to Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. What do you call them? Uh, a requel. A requel. Okay. Uh, it's the same story. Uh, he's out for revenge for the woman he loves, falls in love, saves the girl, and rides off into the sunset. When we pick up in this film, we start with Agent Sands immediately. I mean, opening shots, a cold open, and he's sitting there. And it's Johnny Depp. Okay, as of recently, every time I see Johnny Depp, I see Sparrow or one of those other uh, over-the-top characters, and you very rarely see him get to play Johnny Depp. And I felt that in this one... That was Johnny Depp because he wasn't all made up and acting all crazy. Uh, I thought his personality fit the character that he was playing, which was an added bonus. And then Cheech Marin shows up, and you're right. You're thinking, wait, didn't he die in Desperado? We saw him get shot in the eye, but I don't think we ever really saw him dead. So you could presume that it's the same character, or you can just kind of go with it. Well, do you know why he was cast in this movie? In Once Upon a Time in Mexico? Yeah, why Cheech Marin was. Hit me. Uh, apparently, Robert Rodriguez really wanted him in this movie playing the same character he did in the previous Desperado. But he forgot. He had to be reminded after he'd already cast him that he died in the last movie. So he is, in fact, playing a different character. That's why they put the eye patch on him. Yeah, well. So, but yeah, you could assume he's under a false name and maybe some, he somehow survived. I, did he get shoot in the, shot in the eye or did he get shot in the head in Desperado? He got shot in the eye. Shot in the eye. Okay. In, that, in that great bar scene. Yeah. yeah. And they did kind of tell the story in Desperado that, you know, the bartender lives Yeah, the first time. Right, mm -hmm. right. And so we are introduced to uh, Cheech Marin's character coming in and telling Sands. Sands that this is the guy you want. He's looking for this guy. And Sands kind of doesn't believe that he exists or whatever. And this is where we get the myth and the legend of the guy who carries the guitar case full of guns. You just have to go with it and accept that, you know, this he's still a legend. And the throwback to uh, when Cheech Marin says, uh, they used to say he was the biggest Mexican they'd ever seen. Well, they say that in Desperado, you mm -hmm. know, and it was Steve Buscemi who said it, which is mm -hmm. another great scene. Mm -hmm. And it's a continuation of that. It's a continuation of that well-traveled uh, legend because when we open up and he starts telling them about it, we immediately get set to an action sequence. Mm -hmm. But this is to remind the audience and to remind us that, 
he's still El Mariachi. And we saw him leave with uh, Selma Hayek's character at the end of one. So she's obviously in this one. Now, this is where it gets kind of choppy. I'm going to jump in. I, I think that it could have worked a lot better if we just could have had him talking about, you know, how these stories go. And it's going to turn into a legend. This is how I lost this, pointing to his eye, pointing to the eye patch, because I was there. He, he, he's not that important of a character. I, so I, 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 I get that. But, but then I could have seen a bridge. I could have seen a bridge a little bit more easier instead of, wait, I don't even get this. And, and, and why is this guy trying to set up this hit that he wants L for a hit, right? Because I, I'm still swirling. I, I'm still rummy with where is the story going? I'm kind of leaning towards towards where you are, Ken. Um, I actually watched... I, I've seen both movies a couple times. I watched Once Upon a Time in Mexico, and then I went back and rewatched Despero right afterwards. And I think I would have liked it a little bit better if the way that the Desperado was set up in the beginning with Steve Buscemi coming in, telling the story, and we're kind of seeing through his story, you know, this legend of El Mar- Mariachi... Am I saying that right? El oh, you you sound fantastic. Okay. Uh, the legend of El Mariachi and... Mariachi. Mariachi. El Mariachi. El, it's not racist if we say it like that, El is it? Ma- Mariachi. Anyway, I sound more Italian. Gosh. Uh, anyway, uh, I liked how he kind of set up and started telling this legend and the story, you know, and everybody's listening to the story. I would have loved in this movie if this time Cheech is telling the story of what happened to him in the bar when Steve Buscemi, or when the when El Mar- when Antonio Banderas originally came in and started shooting up the place in the big fight and really building up that story to even more of an exaggeration of what had happened, you know, I, I kind of was looking for that same kind of opening to kind of build into the story again. Instead, we got the agent talking to Cheech and eh, he's not that big and blah blah blah. And yeah, I would have liked it a little bit better if it had kind of done the Desperado opening and all. Valid and fair points. Absolutely. But we're wrong. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I just jumping ahead. And and let me tell you why. Okay. Uh, First of all, they are the same opening. It's a character coming in to tell a story about another character. In Desperado, you have Buscemi and Cheech Marin. And in this one, you have Johnny Depp and Cheech Marin. The Cheech Marin thing, at some point, you know, when, when I first saw it, I didn't even think anything of it. I thought, oh, he's wearing an eye patch. That's a nod to the character in Desperado. Doesn't necessarily have to be the same character because Robert Rodriguez does that. He puts uh, same people in the same uh, in yeah. the same movie in different roles. Yeah, and he'll you know jump ahead and not have to. He doesn't worry about continuity in no, that way. No, he doesn't. Because like, because we're going to get to another character who was in both Desperado and With short Once Upon hair, a Time, and then all of a sudden he has long hair. Right. Right. I think they're related, but that's a far-fetched thing. They could, they could be twin brothers. Totally. I'd go for that. Totally. I wish. That would have been nice. So mm. it's the same type of opening. And I think that the way Robert Rodriguez starts to tell his story, I dug because it was with style. And I'm already invested in L. I loved Desperado. Again, I love Robert Rodriguez. This guy can do no wrong in my book. From Dust Till Dawn, The Faculty... Um, Sin City. Spy Kids 2. Hey, fuck you, dude. I like the Spy Kids <laughs> series. And you know what? Fuck you again because I like Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl. You know why? 
Because you have a daughter. No, that came out way before she was born. Robert Rodriguez? That's part of it. Uh, he you were did, into the whole Twilight thing? Close, but I think that's you. And, and that's okay. I, I, I get it, Twinkle Boy. It's because his kid wanted it done, and that was his kid's idea, and he had the means and the capability and the skill to do it, and he did it. He did it on his own terms, and it didn't matter if it was good or not. It was... He could do it and he could express himself and the he was playing with special effects at the time. And yeah, they're cheesy, whatever, but it was a it's it it, it it's what sells Robert Rodriguez. He's like Spielberg. Spielberg shows up with a loose idea of what he wants, but he is able to sit there and go, All right, I know what I want to do. This is what we're gonna do. And he goes forth fearlessly. Robert Rodriguez does the same thing. He goes forth fearlessly. Yeah. So I, I think that this opening is it catches us up and it's a little uh, over the top with the guitar that fires bullets and this, that, and the other, but Cheech uh, references it. He says these stories are well tw- uh, traveled mm-hmm. and they might've picked up some embellishment. So at that point he's telling the audience, you just got to go with it and you do. And like I said earlier, this is kind of where it got confusing with me. Cause who's this general dude? And then mm-hmm. I thought to myself, who cares? I, I'm, I'm with it. From the beginning till the end. Selma Hayek's character shoots the general and he doesn't die. They leave. We cut back to Cheech and Johnny. They have that nice little exchange and then Cheech leaves. And now we have the actual opening of the film. And this opening is probably one of my most favorite openings of all time. Why is that? That's a good question. Um, You got to back that shit up. Fair enough. When we cut to the old village, we now get to pick up where L is uh, present day, we're assuming. And it makes sense that we already know that Selma and the child died because we got that in a flashback. I mean, it was quick. And if you picked up on it, you knew it. So this is where he went to retreat. And I love the character so much that when uh, the old the old dudes come up and they bring him the guitar and they say, uh, will you play this? And, you know, he's he's just kind of that guy. Uh, uh, reminded me a little bit of Stallone in Rambo 3 when he's helping out the people he's with. And so from that point, he starts to play the tune, and I love that song. And incidentally, that song that he starts to play is a different version of the song that opened Desperado, and it's a different version than the... Uh, of the song that ended Kill Bill Volume 2. Anyways, when he starts playing that and then the triumphant score comes in and the way Robert Rodriguez shoots his uh, films, it was just beautiful to me. And as he's walking along and we get the score and the credits come and he does the what I've always called the Rodriguez effect is when he'll crossfade and advance a character within the same frame. And, you know, it's just something that he's always doing. It's part of that style. And then he gets to the top and it says directed by and then uh, Danny Trejo's character shows up, Kakui, and they're looking for Mariachi. And the old guys are like, which one? And then the camera stops and the music swells and Trejo goes, L. And that just adds to the, the myth and the legend of who this guy was. We didn't have to see it. We saw what he was capable of doing in Desperado and the opening of this film. You just got to buy it and go with it. And I did from Jump. 
And then uh, the dude shoots the old guy and Al gives himself up. And then the scene where he comes down and hands the other dude the guitar and he says, no, you keep it. He made it for you. To me, it's just when I watch it always, that breaks my heart because here's this guy who has lost every woman he's ever loved. He's a shell of a man. He lost his daughter. He's lost everybody. And this is a tragic uh, journey for our hero. And here's another death that he gets to put on his conscience. And so as they're driving away, that look on his face, all the guns are pointing at him. I just thought it was beautiful. So there you have it. Where did you see it unfolding at? Well, you know, this, the beginning part with the flashback and all that, that actually kind of bothered me because that was an interesting story. That's a movie I would have liked to see. That was supposed to be a movie. Was it? I heard that a lot of the scenes that were used in that flashback were meant to be in Desperado, but uh, Robert Rodriguez couldn't get around to filming those scenes. So he put like the big scene where they jump out the window with their chain together. Mm-hmm. That was supposed to be in Desperado. Mm-hmm. But instead, he decided to use it. But it was such a quick flashback and not a great buildup on that general. I didn't feel like he was this horrible bad guy, besides killing his family. But they didn't build up on that character enough for me to really hate him and want to see him die. So, you know, I I wish they would have advanced that a little bit more. Now, I agree with you. The town scene, walking through the town, great start, great opening, great starting. I love how L, which... For us, you know, English speakers, the, uh, was on top of the building and kind of gives himself up there. But also, I want to think of, you know, El Antonio Benderes as a badass who wouldn't stand still. He would just, you think he would start fighting because this old man got killed. You think he would have killed all of them, but maybe you're right. He, at that point, was just a shell of a man and didn't come out of his shell until he learned that the general was still alive. Right. And so, well, yes. And there was a lot of guys. I I don't think he would have done anybody any good. His only, his only option. So I've, I, I, everyone has a choice. He either could give himself up or he could run. And if he ran, he knew that they would slaughter the entire village. Yeah. And again, he doesn't need that on his conscience. So he did the only thing that he, he's trying to make it right. He's trying to be a better person uh, than he's been in all of these movies. So, yeah, the the flashbacks. So everyone calls this a trilogy. And I think a lot of them are mistakenly uh, counting the first one, El Mariachi. You can't. You have to put those, uh, that and Desperado together. That's the first one. The second movie in this trilogy would be the uh, flashbacks that we're talking about. The story with General Marquez. And then the third one would be what we got with Once Upon a Time, uh, with without the flashbacks. So... When he was making this, Tarantino told Rodriguez that this has to be his Dollars trilogy. And instead of, and he loved that idea because they've collaborated many times and, you know, it's a fantastic duo. And Robert Rodriguez, I think, decided that he couldn't shoot both movies for whatever reason. So he decided to tell the uh, second movie in uh, flashbacks. And I could understand why that was jarring. And it was jarring for me a, a little bit. I, I, I saw the previews for this. I never saw this in the fucking theater. And I regret it every day. And I thought Selma Hayek was going to be in it a lot more. And what we got was the aftermath. And I was okay with it. And I bought it. And... There's so many fun scenes in this, and it's just action and style with a CIA, uh, a coup, a military 
government coup happening uh, as the plot. And, uh, and our, our myth and our legend is just thrown into this world. Well, let me ask you this quick question. Johnny Depp is in so many scenes in this movie. And it almost to the point where it feels like he's outdoing uh, Antonio Banderas. Um, to the point of, did this almost start to feel like a Johnny Depp movie more than Antonio? I can see why he's such a... Johnny Depp's character was such an over-the-top, and he was actually quite pleasant in this film. I, I really enjoyed his character. But I don't think that he overshadowed uh, the character of L because it's it's his trilogy, it's his story, and he's the bigger presence in the film. And he he is what I signed up for in the action and uh, just the the continuing story of L. I love Johnny Depp in this film, but I, I don't think he overshadowed it. I don't think it was more of a Johnny Depp movie, not by any means. For me, I thought that I was getting more of El Mariachi's story coming in. But when I left, it was definitely a story for Sands more than it was for El Mariachi. I was not disappointed per se by that because it's not unusual when you see a movie for a story to go in a different direction than you thought it was going to go or you predicted it was going to go. But I, in general, was hoping, I was tugging for more El Mariachi as well as more Carolina as well. I was disappointed that she was only a part of flashbacks, but I understand now as... I have seen the whole movie, why she is only part of flashbacks, because that is where she lives. She lives in his memories. More than, I mean, I know this is one of our, this wasn't one of our action movie picks, but I almost felt like this movie was more like a chess game, where it was Sands who was trying to maneuver all the different characters into doing what he wanted, which was taking out the president then killing the guy who took out the president, then killing the guy who backed the guy who killed, you know, took out the president, and then having him put somebody else in place so he could help control things. But then, of course, it turns into the classic double-cross movie where this guy gets double-crossed, then he's double-crossed by this person, then, then there's a double-double-cross, and it just kind of turned into that more of than just an action movie to me. It just was a chessboard, double-cross movie with occasionally an action scene. So CIA. Did, did you say occasionally an action scene? Occasionally an action scene. Did we watch the same movie? I got it. I got it. But know. there was so much dialogue of this political maneuvering where Sands is talking to Cheech and Sands is talking to L and Sands is talking to uh, Ruben and Sands is talking to this guy and he's trying to. Oh, now he's being captured and he's being politically crossed and now he's got super senses that he can shoot people while he's blind. Even though we're gonna get to that later, you know. It's, just yeah, it's, yeah, it spins you around just like uh, El Mariachi so, when he spins around and he shoots the person as he spins around with it well, hair just flapping. Well, yep. I'm just gonna say that there was more focus on this political maneuvering than there was to finally getting to the big payoff of the action scenes later on. <laughs> I, I, fuck that guy! I, no, fuck that guy! I'm not even sure how to respond to that. Uh, but it's a fair point. Yes, it's a fair point. It, it, it is a fair point, but I don't think that they linger too long on the setup or, or the payoff. I thought that the scenes uh, with Johnny Depp and whether he was talking to the drug lord or he was talking about uh, to Danny Trey, who was talking to Kukui, I thought it, it 
progressed every single time we cut back to Johnny Depp's character, something more advanced in that particular storyline. The action scenes, they were, I wouldn't say nonstop, but there were quite quite a few. I, I like the bit where, you know, they're getting out of the bedroom window, which was meant for Desperado, like you said. I thought that action scene was great. I thought the church scene, oh my gosh, the church scene. When he goes into confession and sees Johnny Depp's character as the priest to get his assignment, Mm-hmm. Remember that scene? Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny Depp had extra time and asked uh, Robert Rodriguez what he could do, and he got to play the priest and do that driving scene later in the movie. Did they ever say why the two of them were chained up together? No, but we just they wake up in the hotel room and they're chained together. Yeah, who who cares? Okay, I just took it as a part of his dreaming that you have you have funky shit that happens in dreams all the time, but you don't question it. Or it's just the way that the guy told the story. It's the way Robert Rodriguez wrote it. Well, because Carolina only exists in this story in El Mariachi's head. And so whether it really happened or not, and I I bought it. There was no, I mean, the first time you watch it, you're kind of like, oh, how, why are they chained up? But, you know, at, at that point, for me, I'm already sucked in, so I didn't care. It didn't, it didn't do it didn't take me out of nothing. Well, that's Selma Hayek. That's not hard to get sucked in with well, Selma Hayek. The good thing was that they were chained together because them uh, repelling down the side of the building. That is my favorite sequence. I love the line in about the movie. That, love, w- that was so, so beautiful to watch them swinging. Oh, that's how they're going to get done. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And then to watch them get down, it's like, man, that was great. I like the, uh, the line that I think he had. Kind of sounding like an old married couple of, no, let's pick the fifth floor. That sequence is wonderful. And uh, my favorite bit is when he tells her to hold on. And she says, what do you mean, hold on? And he lets go. And then he swings down. And, you know, there's a great sequence. And then Mm -hmm. we go right into him at the church with Johnny Depp. And then that whole bit I thought was fantastic. Talks to Johnny Depp, gets a little bit more info. Then Johnny Depp leaves, and then the cartel goons start to attack him. He climbs up the building because he's a myth, he's a legend. And then he's, uh, he jumps over the railing, and he's afraid that the guitar is damaged. So what does he do? He stops to play it. I love that bit. He, he, he wants to protect the guitar, and he wants to see if it's still in tune, even though he has all these guys after him. So he gets up, they corner him, he busts the guitar open, but he kisses it goodbye which I thought was another awesome moment. And maybe it's just me. And then he whips out the gun and he, he goes to town that scene. They couldn't get their real guns across customs when they filmed it. So they had to use rubber guns and Robert Rodriguez, uh, put all the, uh, bullet holes and the gunfires and all that in post. in post. And, mm-hmm. uh, when they were shooting it, Antonio Banderas, uh, kept making the gun noises with his mouth. So they had to tell bam, him bam, to knock bam, it bam. Yeah. While monitoring Barrio's activities, Ramirez meets Billy Chambers, an American fugitive who has been living under the protection of Barrio, but can no longer stomach the horrible tasks he's been forced to carry out. Ramirez offers Chambers protection in exchange for getting closer to Barrio by tagging Chambers' pet Chihuahua with a hidden microphone. Another one of San's agents, Kakui, who was originally hired to keep an eye on L, instead turns and tranquilizes L and turns him over to Barrio. Kakui is killed by Chambers while L escapes and calls his friends Lorenzo and Fideo to assist him in his mission. What do you think of Danny Trejo? 
in this movie? Uh, he played Kukui excellent. You know, in both movies, Desperado and Once Upon a Time, I would have liked to see more of him. Yeah, well, you saw as much as Robert Rodriguez thought you needed to see. Oh. Can I tell a quick uh, Danny Trejo story? Of course you can. Uh, a friend of mine runs a convention, a pop culture convention down in Texas called the Alamo uh, Con. And he had one year, or his first year, I actually came down and volunteered to help him out and worked with a lot of celebrities uh, setting up their photos and taking money for their autographs, things like that. At one point, I was signed to work with Danny Trejo. And can I just say, that man is amazing. He's one of the nicest people you meet, and he's everything you expect him to be. In fact, at first, he comes across very intimidating. He's got that personality. I mean, that's what you see in the movies. That's who he is. Um, and I asked him one time. I said, no, I, I said, are you... Are you really this tough guy that you betray in movies? He looks at me and goes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I am. He goes, in fact, there's only one thing that scares me. I said, what's that? He turns around, he points to his wife. <laughs> and she was the one taking the money and nobody was screwing with her. Yeah, I bet. Uh, but I he, bet. he was so fantastic. In fact, he, he even uh, asked me if I'd like to pose with a picture with him at the end. So. And you got one. We I, saw it. I got That's... one. He's He's just fantastic. That's that's fucking awesome. So if you ever get a chance to meet Danny Trejo, I highly advise it. That is fantastic. That's fantastic. Uh, Robert Rodriguez's production company, uh, Troublemaker Studios, is located in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. And I was in Austin one year, and uh, someone I was working with uh, had access. And I was going to set up and go, but I never got around to it. We were too busy. So... Harsh. Yeah, that was a missed opportunity. So going back to the movie real quick, uh, how much would it hurt to get a dart in the forehead? I was just about to kind of talk about that. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Is is that one way? And is that normally like a normal way would knock you out or would that cause a little bit of brain damage? I was wondering about that. How do you get, how how is that administered? Because, you know, the dart stops at the skull. It didn't penetrate the skull. It stopped at the skull, but that's enough to knock you out. Uh, it is with this dart, and they were taking no chances. This was L they were messing with. So, you know, normally they would shoot somebody in the chest or the arm or something with a trank. Nope, they got to get the mariachi in the forehead because he's that dangerous. But prior to that, leading up to that, that scene is one of my favorite sequences in the movie when him and... Wait, that's your favorite sequence? One of them. When, like when the church scene? No, the one where uh, Danny Trejo and Antonio Banderas are in the square. And... Uh, 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 Kukui says, I don't work for Sands anymore. And Antonio Bender says, well, I don't work for Sands either. And then, uh, you know, Kukui says, there's a, a price on your head I'm going to collect. And he threatens him. And then uh, El says, then I have no choice but to kill you all. Well, he says, says everybody's going to be after you. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And so he's got to kill, kill them all. Yeah. And then he gets captured and we go into, he's caught. And that, now we get... The long flashback. We've been teased with all these flashbacks up until this moment. Now we get the long flashback where we get to see the second movie. And it's exactly what I thought it was going to be. The general shows up. Uh, sure. Wants Carolina. Yeah. It's like, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, this is where Selma dies. Yeah, and he takes Sorry, the guys. necklace. 
Yep. General takes the necklace and puts it on for some strange reason. Well, he's a weird guy, you yeah. know. I don't know what uh, I don't know what Catalina saw him in the first place, but whatever. Uh, and now, then, did, did they say that she had dated the general at one point or something? Well, he, uh, Cheech, that's where I was confused about. Cheech hints to it. He says, "This is where all the trouble started. Uh, she was with Marquez, and when she found out that she was with the mariachi." Well, Marquez lost it. So, I mean, that's what we're led to believe. That's what that that story was telling us. And now what happened in between Desperado and that? Well, she okay. She likes the bad boys. Maybe it annoyed me for a little bit, but I got over it. And That's why I never know, have a shot with her, because she likes the bad boys. And you are not a bad boy, sir. No. no because there's even not. hints in Desperado that she may have been with Elle's brother at yeah. some point. Oh, no, she was. Yeah. I mean, they... They might hint to it, but mm-hmm. she was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, did you catch the Chihuahua's name? Uh, Moco. Which stands for? Booger. I thought that was an interesting name. And you pointed something out earlier. What was that? You uh, out? It's the name of the villain in uh, the first movie, El Mariachi, or the $7,000 version of Desperado. While monitoring Barrio's activity outside a hospital, Ramirez notices armed men storming into the building and following them. He discovers that a group of doctors have been gunned down and Barrio has bled to death as a result of a botched facial reconstruction. He soon realizes the corpse on the operating table is a body double before being knocked out and kidnapped by the real Barrio and Adres, who reveals herself to be Barrio's daughter. Sands realizes that his mission has been compromised, but it is too late, and he is captured by Barrio and Adres, who drill out his eyes before letting him go. Despite his blindness, he manages to gun down a hitman tailing him with the aid of a little boy in a yellow shirt. Now, this is something I didn't realize until I read it. And I haven't seen El Mariachi. I actually want to go back and watch that. There is the same character, the little boy in the yellow shirt, in all three movies. Yeah. A, a yellow t-shirted boy. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was interesting that they've kind of, that, that's almost like the signature, I think, in each of the movies. It's, it, it's one of the signatures, for sure. Yeah, uh, I think Robert Rodriguez throws in a lot of throwbacks and stuff that he he really likes. So maybe he likes the yellow t-shirt. Mm-hmm. So far, we have not discussed Jorge at all. And for me, Jorge has probably the strongest story arc laid out in this movie that I'm able to follow along with. He's a retired FBI agent, and he is uh, asked by Sands to uh, get back into the game and, and and take care of Willem Dafoe's character. What's his name? Barrio. Barrio. Yeah. And, and so watching him go through how he is choosing to move forward, should he or shouldn't he? Should he or shouldn't he? And his story was the easiest one for me to follow in this movie. Ruin Blades was a treat and... He, I, I really enjoyed his story too. He, uh, Barrio was the one that got away and uh, Sands knows that and he tugs at that and he uses his partner's death to get him back into the game. And I really liked uh, Ruben Blade's uh, portrayal of that and how he, he, he took his FBI badge and he made it real and he got his gun out. He got that itch again. He started to follow him and then he, he interacts with Mickey Rourke's character. What'd you guys think of Mickey Rourke in this? Billy. 
Billy was an interesting character, and I thought that Billy really um, brought some style to the table, and we haven't seen too much of Mickey Rourke in uh, a lot of movies, but I I thought that he definitely held his own character-wise that that, that made me say, I'm ready to see more. Yeah, I honestly I felt like it was another character in this movie that they didn't build up enough. You didn't get you just basically got that he worked for Barrio 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 Barrio. He worked for him. We find out later that he is an American who fled to Mexico. He was fleeing some something he had done, some law he had broken. Um, now he wants to go back and face justice because he hates it. He hates what he's had to do in Mexico. They didn't really build up the character to the point where it was believable. Well, I got to say that this is one of the shortcomings of the movie, that this movie has, for the most part, laid out characters explaining what happened to the what has happened to them, but not who they are and who these characters Mm. are for us. It's only about what has happened to them, and we understand why these characters are being motivated, but it, and because of this, I I, I feel like that it, it's tough to have empathy for these characters. That was my problem. The characters are 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 driven for whatever reason they are, but I I'm not behind them on why they are driven or motivated the way that they are because of who they are now, and, and like I was talking about just a moment ago with Jorge. I felt like that he was somebody that I, I could relate the most to. Whose motivation didn't you get? It's not about who they are now and, and, and why they are who they are, but it is more storytelling about what has happened to them. Ken put it best, I think, when he said empathy. We weren't given enough time to have empathy for these characters. Like Billy... I could care less if he lived or died. Right. And they didn't really build on that. But that was kind of the point. That's who his character was. I didn't give a shit. So he's like a throwaway character. Sure. It just happens to be Mickey Rourke, which is fine. His story is no more important to me than one of the other guards. Uh, Ramirez, he's a FBI retired guy who didn't get his man. And I felt bad for him. That's just me. Uh, Any of them. I, I thought they did fine. You just had to get on the ride and go with it. This wasn't supposed to be an Oscar-written uh, screenplay. Well, something that I loved about... I'm sorry, Ken. Uh, something that I loved about Rodriguez with this movie is that the story that they tell about Jorge's uh, partner, Yeah, uh, that's based off of a true story sure. of how an agent died. The story of Barillo and kind of faking his death on the operating table, table, getting a facelift, things like that. There's actually a true story out there of a drug lord, part of the cartel in Mexico, who died that exact way. Sure. So he brought in all of these, you know, these real life stories to cur- to craft this movie story. Right. So I thought that was clever on his part. Yeah, and and I believed it. I I find it interesting that you talk about it not being an Oscar-worthy movie when you have five actors nominated for Oscars in Antonio Banderas and Selma Hayek and Mickey Rourke and Willem Dafoe. And who's who am I missing out on? Was Rubens one? I thought he won No, it was... uh, Oh, Johnny Depp. Oh, oh, Johnny Depp. <laughs> How did we forget that one? Gilk, Gilk, yeah, Gilk, they, Gilk, these Gilk. Are all these yeah. my wife's gonna amazing kill me. actors. How could you forget Johnny Depp? Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, fair point. But as far as character, you're saying that you didn't feel empathy for these characters. And I guess my point to that is in this type of a story, I don't think you need to feel empathy for secondary characters. If you don't feel empathy for L and what he's going through, well, then you didn't really read Antonio Banderas's face uh, like I did. Uh, knowing what has happened in Desperado and just, just everything that happens in this movie, I think he tells the story, in, especially in Desperado, I think he tells the story in his face and his facial reactions and his eyes. And so immediately there, I got empathy for the guy. I, of course, I have empathy for uh, him losing his wife and his child. I mean, that's, that's got to suck, right? And <laughs> look at this guy's track record. What was Desperado about? They killed the woman he loved. So that's twice he got screwed out of that. Okay, but all of these other characters, you have Sands. No, no empathy for him. And you should. No, no empathy oh, for Jorge. Him. He's a killer. Uh, they do build Marquez. up some empathy for Jorge. Killer. And, and so all of these other characters in the movie, it's like, man, these, these are these are shitty people. Absolutely. And that's the way that world worked. And that's why uh, the mariachis were brought in to bring balance. Part of Johnny Depp's master plan works, but what he doesn't count on is... He's collateral damage. Well, yeah, well, he's exactly. Well, I, I guess so. The mariachis chose their country over Sans's plans with all the money. So, in a way, you kind of root for Sans. He's the anti-hero, really, and you shouldn't really have too much empathy for him. I mean, he you're right. He that's what I was just thinking. He shot the fucking cook. Right. Well, his car was parked out back anyway. And he shot the waitress. Yeah. Oh, why did he oh shoot my the gosh. why did he shoot the freaking waitress? That's a good question. And why does he shoot Bellini? Why? Because he finds out he has a fake arm? Well, okay, that maybe a, a little bit more about that fake arm later. Yeah. And so I don't know. I don't think you need to have empathy for our villains. One of the other little moments that I uh treasured that uh made uh Jorge, that much more of a character that I'm willing to invest in was his bravery going in when we get the look of his, what is that, a, a 38 that he has? Yeah. When he flips it open and there's no bullets in any of the chambers <laughs> and he's willing to go forth anyway. It's like, oh, man, that, 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 is, that is courage. Yeah, that was a, he was a great character yeah. and I enjoyed his storyline. For as brief as it was, I followed it from beginning brief. to finish. He was he was there for two thirds of the movie. Yeah, maybe, uh, and definitely in the third act, that's for sure. Thus begins the third act. As the city celebrates the Day of the Dead during the president's visit, Marquez and his army storm in and attack the presidential palace. Marquez's troops, however, are met with resistance not only from the president's bodyguards but also the citizens of the city and the mariachis. Sands has instructed L to allow the president to be killed before attacking Marquez, but the mariachis, concluding that the president is a good man, decide to protect him. Marquez enters the presidential palace and is confronted by L, who shoots out his kneecaps before killing him with a headshot. Ramirez, who was released from captivity by Chambers, faces Barrio. After Barrio guns down Chambers, Ramirez and L kill the drug lord. Sands manages to shoot and kill Andres outside the presidential palace. Ultimately, Lorenzo and Fidel walk away with the cash that Barrio was using to pay Marquez and help the president safely escape. 
Ramirez says goodbye to Sands and walks away, having avenged his partner's death. L then gives his share of the cash to his home village before walking into the sunset. He doesn't really walk. He kind of sits there and plays his guitar on one of the most beautiful shots I've ever seen. Call me a romantic. I love that shot. Kind of lame that we're doing this on May 6th rather than doing the pod on May 5th. I know May 5th was yesterday and that was Cinco de Mayo. And as a celebration, I watched this movie again. Kind of thinking that same thing. We should have recorded yesterday. We suck. Yeah. So... For the, sure. the way the general went out, the build up to, you know, L getting his revenge, was it over too quick? No. I did I did say, oh damn, when his knees got shot out. That was awesome, right? But I felt like, oh, here comes the general in. Oh, you're still alive? Is Carolina alive? No. Is your daughter alive? No. Are you alive? No. Am I alive? Yes. In hell. Brilliant, but I do like that. It was just so quick. And as and as L is walking down the steps, he's got his gun in his hand. They know it's going to be a a standoff, and they're uh, Marquez is questioning him. And I didn't need it long and drawn out. I thought it was kind of smart to keep us moving along. This movie, I think, is very well paced. Is it perfectly paced? No, but it it does keep us moving, and I don't feel that it drags too much and. Uh, different spots anyways i didn't need it to be all drawn out and long i thought the way he dispatches of the general was awesome because we still had another villain to deal with we still had to deal with barrio well my problem was is yes we got the general in some quick flashbacks but we got no buildup on the general of being this this horrible guy throughout the whole movie until he shows up right at the end he's a fucking general and they even called it the uh the massacres, I forget what yeah, Chief Marin says. Well, how much more buildup do just, you need? He just shows up in the end and dies. I just wish there was more. I wish he they would have used him more in the okay, movie. Okay, give me an example. What did you what do you wish that they you could have seen? They could have seen shown him more meeting with Barillo, uh, you know, planning all this stuff. Could maybe he would have showed up and lied to the president at some point about protecting him and using his armies, only to know that he's you know, we know that he's gonna turn on him. There could have been a lot more buildup of use of this general throughout the movie. There could have been shown building up the planning stages of, of this coup. I don't know. the way for, for me, the way the movie works, I don't know if you necessarily need it from a storytelling point of view. Uh, but it could work, and you know it, it could have added to it. You could have got more of your backstory of the general. But as soon as I saw the general, and maybe again, this is just me, but it, he screamed bad guy to me. So at that point, he's a he's a general in a rogue army, which they've already told us, and you know he's not a good character. And so, you know, well, I believe that he was an asshole. The other thing is, is you know, they're building up that, and he shot a kid, and L wants his revenge. That's the big motivation. He wants sure. his revenge against the general. So I would have liked to see Defoe die first. And then save the general for last. Yeah, and and I can totally see that too because the way Defoe goes out, which can we talk about Willem Defoe being a hundred percent? He's American, right, or is he German or something? Or I I well, how about this? He's certainly not Hispanic. And he comes in and he plays a Hispanic. And I gotta tell you, for as much as I love this movie, and I do love this movie, and I really enjoy Willem Defoe. I thought maybe this might have been a misstep in casting. Agreed. But anyways, you're... Good actor, but agreed. It, it should have been 
a Hispanic person. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and I can see what you're saying. Had they reversed it, I thought that would have been good because Defoe comes in and it's actually Jorge who gets to do it, which is a nice nod. He gets to get his man and Billy Chambers, instead of having to go back to jail or back to the U S in jail, he gets out, he gets out of life. He gets shot. And why does he get shot? He's protecting Moko, his dog. Right. Yeah. And so Billy's character is gone. So we don't need to, I mean, this guy is a vicious murderer. Now he wants to redeem himself and great. But again, I didn't need more scenes to tell me that I, I got who he was, which was good. So yeah, I thought that the movie, and I love the bit with the two other mariachis walking with the president. They're teaching him how to whistle, and they're. I really love that scene when right before they go in and save the day, he he looks at the two and he says, "You know, the president's a good man. Let's let's not do this. Let's do it our way." And then uh, after they save him, the president says, "Who are you?" And Antonio says. Sons of Mexico, sir. And then he blows that dude away with the double barrel shotgun. And so I, I just loved it. And so the bit when they're walking away, I thought it was a nice little payoff. The limo comes up, picks up the president. They take off. The two have plenty of cash, say their goodbyes. We cut to the village where we first opened the movie and there's money flying everywhere and there's kids and families collecting the money. And Elle is sitting on the rail playing the guitar with the necklace and the sun's going down. He has a quick flashback with his, the love of his life who was taken from him again. And we end the film. Brilliant. Okay, so when we have when we have uh, Sands doing his third act and he's going around, I thought for sure that he was going to die like three or four times. I was so surprised to finally see the hand come up at the end. It's like, what? How could he still be alive? Such a good payoff. And it's the little kid, the gum kid. How the hell does that kid keep wanting to stick around with all of that going on around him? Yeah, okay, I'll go with you. Yeah, I'll take along. Yeah. And I love when he says, uh, I'll give you this if you take me to the center of the city and it's a dollar. It's a dollar. (laughs) I meant I give you this. Yeah. And then, you know, the bit when he first meets him and he gives him the $10 bill and he gives him the gum and he goes, now this should tie us over for quite some time. And he's all, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then Johnny Depp goes, now fuck off. (laughs) Do you know how many times I've used that? Now fuck off. You say it to me every time we do one of these podcasts. That's right. So how is her name pronounced? Adreas? Adres, maybe? Adreas? Okay, so... You know, uh, Eva Mendez's character. Yeah, when when she comes out and, and and she kisses him, and then oh, fake arm, and he shoots her right in the gut. Bullshit! How the hell does he sneak his fake arm out there onto the street with him? Furthermore, he is blind. He's just been tortured. Uh, he, oh, here's your. Where, per, here's where your, was he hiding the arm? Here's your personal effects back as they put him back out onto the street. Mm-hmm. Fuck that shit. Mm-hmm. That was total BS. But I will say, I understand the payoff. It's like, whoop, gotcha. But I got to say, Robert Rodriguez does enjoy being able to do that. He enjoys taking that gotcha or, or, or you know, th- th- that twist. And, and that is something that he likes to do in his stories. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. Uh, I kind of didn't really see the point of it at, at all. 
from the opening scene where he uses it on Cheech to the other scene where he uses it on Cheech. And at this point, the payoff for shooting Eva Mendes. It didn't make any sense. It wasn't practical, but it was fun. And it was a nice little callback. It was fun. And I, I saw it coming a mile away. As soon as I knew he wasn't dead after he got shot. And I liked how he takes on those two guys. He uses his other senses. He uses his hearing and brilliantly shot. And uh, so, I mean, yeah, you're right. Bullshit. Where'd it come from? But for me, I didn't fucking care. I liked it. One of my first thoughts is here's Johnny Depp who just got his eyes drilled out. He's not in shock at all. He's just put out on the street and he seems to be fine. He's handling that remarkably yeah, well. Remarkably well. And all of a sudden he's got super senses. You know, people develop that over time. But no, he's got super senses. But then I kind of defeated my argument with that, thinking, well, he is CIA trained and maybe he had to learn to do things in the dark and listen for things. But yeah, it's amazing that he came, became such a crack shot even after he's been blind. He shot the guy right in the head that was trailing him. Well, I chalk it up to is he was a very skilled marksman when he had his eyes. Can I bring up something from Desperado that's just sticking in my craw? Sir, yes, sir. Okay, so in this movie, in Once Upon a Time, he calls on his two mariachi buddies who come and help him. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they help save the day and they walk off into the sunset with their money. In Desperado, he calls on his two mariachi buddies who come out and help him. Both get brutally killed, and he doesn't even seem to have a problem with it. He, he doesn't bat an eye that he called his two friends in who don't even live that long. And so my, but my problem was, if, if you know, I was his mariachi buddies, like his community, and I had heard that he called his two buddies in and they got gunned down in the street and he didn't even shed a tear... I don't think I'd show up in the second one. All right, so let me ask, let me ask you this: uh, the Mandalorian lands and he needs help, so he calls two more Mandalorians, and let's say uh, Baby Yoda was got shot. Grogu. Gro- oh, thank you. Got Go-Gurt. shot. Gogurt. And so the Mandalorian would go pick him up, and if the other two Mandalorians got shot, he wouldn't bat an eye. He'd take off too. I don't know. I felt like those two guys that showed up, we didn't get any buildup on the characters. I loved in this movie. That we got build up on Enrique's character and the other gentleman's character, Frito, Fiddle? Fideo. Fideo. We got build up. I loved his lines about drinking. He doesn't think he drinks. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. I lo- you know, we got build up. We got no build up on the other characters and they just get, I mean, I love their guitar cases and, you know, one had a rocket launcher and the other one had, I fr- it was a machine a gun. F- a machine gun. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that, but they got gunned down and, like I said, he just walks off with, Selma Hayek and all happy-go-lucky. Well, I, well, he wasn't. No, he didn't. He was saving the kid. The kid yeah. got shot. Yeah. But and so was, he was trying to get him to the hospital. He was more worried and about he that looked, than his friends. Well, he looks back and he gives him a nod like, okay, this is it. We're, we're parting ways. Because they knew what they signed up for. Yeah. They were part of the mariachis. And when he calls them, he knows that they have his back no matter what, as he does theirs. And I think that Desperado was a darker film. Mm-hmm. a little bit and i think that he wrote it and the two characters came in to just really pretty much save the day we didn't need a lot of backstory which is why we got more of a backstory this time because i think people did enjoy those characters and they were kind of like you going ah what the fuck what about these guys so and then plus he got enrique iglesias to play one of the mariachis which you got to give him screen time mm-hmm. so uh, i agree with you i like these guys more because i got to know them more uh, you mean you had empathy Sure. 
I was happy to see them walk away with the cash, but I wouldn't have been surprised had they died. Well, you know one of them died with all that cash because he would have drank himself to death. Oh, probably. He reminds me of my cousin Beef. When uh, uh, Enrique shoots the bottle and he just looks at him and goes, why? (laughs) I said, oh my God, that's my cousin. Uh, So yeah, yeah. I would like to say that when I read that the script was only 45 minutes, or 45, 45, pa- pages, yeah. 45 pages, I was thinking, well, that's not that surprising because there's not that much story to it. Mm-mm. I did feel like there was a lot of Western elements in this, that there was that whole, oh, you know, shootout at the OK Corral kind of gun moments where they're all kind of looking at each other. Sure. So. How did this movie do, Don? Uh, this movie was made for $29 million, which was a nice bump for uh, Rodriguez at the time. And it did, uh, overall, international and domestic, $98 million. So it was pretty, pretty successful. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Did you know this was the first big-budget film shot in digital HD? Very, very uh, telling because we have so much more detail in those camera shots and uh, the, the the colors, you know, the the, uh, the the oranginess of the colors, there there is a crispness to these uh, camera shots that uh, definitely uh, convey the digitalness. It was kind of a game changer, really. He mm-hmm. went and he visited George Lucas while he was doing Attack of the Clones, and George Lucas was in at the time filming in HD as well, uh, digitally. And he showed Robert Rodriguez some of the footage. And it wasn't any of the special effects footage. It was just more like uh, Padme talking to Anakin or something like that. And Robert Rodriguez was sold. And he has been shooting digitally ever since. And for a time there, uh, he kept trying to convince his good old buddy Quentin Tarantino to go to digital as well. But Tarantino being the nostalgic nut, film nut that he is, uh, films and films still. Both have their pluses and negatives. I think that uh, filming digital uh, is way easier than film. Uh, I filmed in film and in digital, and I can tell you that there's so much more freedom with digital, and it's really changed the shape of how movies are made today and how we see it. And, I mean, mm-hmm. this was kind of a benchmark for that. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Rodriguez did want Tarantino to be in this movie, so that would have been the third recasting in the movie, but unfortunately he was doing Kill Bill 2 at the time. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're really tight, and uh, they enjoy uh, screening their movies to each other first. But there's actually a third person, a little trio in there. Do you know who the third person is between Robert and Quentin? Kevin Smith. Yeah, I can see that. Rodriguez. He. I found out recently that Rodriguez directed the uh, the Times in uh, Pulp Fiction when uh, Quentin was on screen. And then uh, Quentin came and directed uh, the scene between Benicio Del Toro and Clive Owen in Sin City. Did you ever see Sin City? Yes. Great, great, great. Yeah. Uh, Again, revolutionary. And Robert Rodriguez is a filmmaker. I I love the stories that he tells. I love the way he tells them. Uh, He had a lot of influence in uh, the way I made movies early on. Uh, every one of my uh, films from film school have a Robert Rodriguez score to it and, and, and kind of a feel and, and that style. And you just, he's, he's, un- he's inspired me for a lot of years. He, he's so unafraid and, and, and uh, just so bold in, in how he chooses to direct fast, lean, 
you know, knows what he wants. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you guys didn't enjoy it nearly as much as I did, and that's okay, But because this is why we do this, and I think it's time to rate this film. What do you guys think? Sure. How do we do our ratings, Don? Well, I'm glad you asked, John. Uh, we rate our films on a scale from one to five, one being not good, five being the best, and we go by if this film was on TV and we were scrolling through, would we stop and watch it? Would we pick it over something else? How long would we watch it for? Things of that nature. And so that's how we came up with our scale, and that is how we rate our movies. Now, this was your pick, Don, correct? This was my action movie. So, America, so why don't you go first with your rating? Because it sounds like it is your action movie. With Antonio Banderas. Antonio Banderas is El Mariachi in Once Upon a Time. Which stands in for? In Mexico. The Mariachi. Yes, I know what it means. Thank you. Once Upon a Time in Mexico was a movie that I regrettably did not see in the theater. I knew it was coming out. I was super stoked to go see it, and I never got a chance, and it's it's always kicked me in the balls. What a crime. This film, like I said earlier, has one of the greatest openings, in my opinion, that is out there. And I could watch this opening over and over and over again. The score, the setup, I buy the characters, I can follow along the story just fine. It makes perfect sense to me. If I was scrolling through the channels, I am definitely stopping. This one is on par with Ghostbusters for me. So this one is going to get a 4.75 because there are some things that kind of you know, take you out just a little bit, if anything. Uh, Willem Dafoe's being Hispanic kind of drew me out a little bit. And so it's not a perfect film, but I would watch this over probably everything else because this is definitely a certain kind of mood film, just like Ghostbusters is, and I'm stopping and watching it. I'm giving it a 4.75, and you can write that shit down. I really thought this would be a 5.0 from him. I, You know, and I went back. The way you've gushed. I know, I went back and forth. Back and forth, back and forth. There is, so my five movie, and I'm sure you guys know what it is. That's the bar. Mm -hmm. Which you're not going to bring up now because that may be a movie in the helmet. Uh, I didn't put it in the helmet. And if either of you did, fuck you. All right. Who wants to go next? I'll go. Okay. All right. For me, I uh, think that this movie is um, not as much as what I was hoping for. Uh, I think part of the shortcoming that happened to me was that I watched Desperado recently, just before watching this. And I was in love with uh, the characters. I, I, Selma Hayek. Come on, it's Selma Hayek. <laughs> Don't forget Antonio. And uh, it, I... I, I I, I forgot it was Steve Buscemi at the beginning of the movie. It's just like, ah! All right, so back to this. I, uh, I, I was troubled in having uh, Cheech in the movie again. I was troubled having Danny in the movie again. 41 minutes into the movie. Oh, okay, that's what this story is about because... Once Upon a Time in Mexico is more about a movie, sh- an epic movie shot in moments and not necessarily in the continuity of a story. And for me, it was uh, tough for me to understand who the 
players were and, and what their roles were and, and why the story was progressing the way that it was. As I stated earlier, it was uh, easier for me to follow Jorge's story arc and, and he was the one that I uh, sympathized with and, 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 and I could relate to in the story. All the other, uh, you know, so many of the other characters were just, um, I, I just felt, uh, as I stated before, that, that lack of empathy. I do enjoy some of the moments of the movie, but, um, and, and the movie is, is stylishly shot. It is a very pretty looking picture in the way that it's shot, but it is uh, not as much as what I was hoping to get out of it. And I, I, I go back and forth and how I want to rate it, but because it's, it, it's got um, some, some really strong actors in it. You got um, Eva Mendez. She is in there at the same time as Selma Hayek. Why are those two not on screen together? Because it wasn't meant to be. Could have been rated higher, but instead, wow. <laughs> so I, I, I'm going to give this movie a two. Wow. I'm not sure Don's going to let you out of the basement with that. You know what? Opinions are like assholes. Everyone has them and everyone stinks. I respect your grading. I respect uh, and I appreciate the fact that you took the time and you watched it and you experienced it and, you know, that's your score. Cool. So be it. It's wrong, but so be it. Just kidding, Ken. Is it my turn now? Yes, sir. Okay, I'm going to start off by saying Antonio Banderas is one of my favorite actors. I would put him in my top five of all actors. Really? I love everything he's in and I love... I think he's just an amazing actor. This was not one of my favorite movies. And my reason things why is that it had been a long time since I had watched this movie. And when the movie started off with the flashbacks and everything, my first thought was, I don't remember that happening in Desperado. When did the general come up? What, when did that happen? I, I don't remember any of this. I don't remember them escaping from the hotel. So after I watched Once Upon a Time, I had to go back and watch Desperado. And again, none of that happened. So that, that took me a little bit out of the movie that they created that smaller version. I wish that would have been a separate movie. The other thing that I had problems with is they stuck so many big name actors in this that they all tried to get their little piece of the movie. It almost came across as one of those all-star movies you used to see on TV that they take all the different characters from the different shows and throw them together playing different parts and you know everybody's got to get their little time in and I think it would have been better if like Mickey Rourke they just had used some different actor or you know Johnny Depp really stole the movie I felt like it was him and Antonio Banderas co-starring in the movie you know it was and some hike of course needs to be in the movie more you know and I agree with you Eva Mendez would have been great if they had some scenes together. That would have been a great fight scene. You know, I was kind of sad that they killed her off, but I understand they had to give the a little bit of revenge time. He needed to, you know, to go after, have a motivation. You know, L needed the motivation. Uh, Love seeing Danny Trejo in anything, so I didn't mind them reusing him. Based off of that, 
And again, like I said earlier, it came off to me as a predictable kind of double cross movie. Once the first couple double crosses happened, you almost expected everybody to double cross. So did I like the movie? It was an okay movie. It was a good movie. Would I watch it every time? No. Desperado, to me, 100 times better than this movie. I loved Desperado. I would actually give Desperado a much higher rating than I'm about to give this movie. But because I you know, value myself, I'm going to give it a 3.0 because I want to make it out of the basement alive. 3.0? Respectable. So, so yeah, I'm going to give it a 3.0 because, yes, if there's nothing else on, I'm going to watch it for Antonio. If there are other movies on, The Crow, Ghostbusters, even Tommy Boy, those kind of movies, Flash Gordon, I'm going to watch those other movies first. Well, there you have it. 4.75 from yours truly, uh, 2 from The Professor, and a 3 from John. And it, I can't, it doesn't hurt that this movie takes place around my birthday. So, On the Day of the Dead? Yep. Did I know that? I think I, think I know that. Yeah, I was actually... Uh, when I was born, I was declared dead on the Day of the Dead. Interesting. So, yeah, they were going to take... Feel, I feel like you should have a uh, deeper spiritual connection with this movie. So um, I think you need to give it another point five. I don't know about that. But, yeah, they were going to take me out in pieces, but they uh, they decided to bring me out and resuscitate me. I wasn't, I wasn't breathing when I was born. Well, look at that. Nice hat trick. Yeah. Good for us that they did, because here we are. You're shitting all over my movie. And that's all right. Could have been two guys in a flick. So Yeah, I think we did that once. Uh, okay, so now comes the point in the podcast where we are going to pick our next film. Can I bring up a real quick point? Yeah. Uh, we did have a suggestion from a gentleman named Rob for another movie to add to the helmet, and we will be looking into adding that to our helmet for a future possible choice. All right, so it's time for us to grab... The helmet. The Bronco helmet. Who drew last week? Don drew, so I think, Ken, it's your turn. Fine. It's a road movie. Ooh. Road movie? Mm-hmm. It's my road movie. Oh, shit. So let me get this straight. When I drew from the helmet, I drew one of my movies. When Don drew from the helmet, he drew one of his, and now you've drawn one of yours. Triple threat. Yeah. Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, dear God. Why do you say it like that? I've never seen it, so I guess I should take that back. I liked it. I enjoyed Little Miss Sunshine. Good. I, I'm excited to watch it. Uh, why'd you pick Little Miss Sunshine? I think it is a a, a good road movie. Cool. So, um, I, I, I think that there is definitely uh, content worthy to talk about. Steve Carell's in that movie? Yep. He is. Yep. Yeah. And I love that it's kind of not in the same vein of the normal movies that we've been reviewing lately. Because uh, there was our five favorites, and now we're doing the, or not favorites, sorry, five movies that we enjoyed, we put into the helmet, mm-hmm. and now these are genres. Little Miss Sunshine, I don't think, is something that I would have thought of. So, And it's been a while since I've seen it, and I kind of remember liking it, so I'm excited to watch it. So nice Nice suggestion. Okay, good job. Does this mean that if we say that like bad things and we don't like this movie, that we hate children? Well, apparently you both hate Mexicans, but I mean, we can go either way with that. It's, it's up to you. We're not being racist, but we love 
Antonio Bandera. No, you don't. If you don't give this movie at least a 4.75, then you can't love him. I forbid it. You're fucking killing me, guys. 2.0 and a 3. You just don't see the brilliance that Together, is Once Upon a Time in Mexico. And, and what did you rate Flash Gordon? Oh, don't even get me started on that yeah, one, sir. But two and three add up to five. Well, I guess that's one. Does it get a five on the website? No. Then fuck you, dude. Unfortunately, we did not review Desperado. That's the movie. We would have probably I, given it fours. I think this is a better film than Desperado. But that's just me. Mm-hmm. Desperado sets it up and Once Upon a Time in Mexico knocks it down. But that's just me. All right. Uh, hey, John, where can they find us, good friend? They can find us anytime at our website, uh, threeguysinaflick.com. They can find us on our Facebook page, Twitter, as well as most uh, podcasting hosting sites. All right. So to our one listener, thank you. Oh, I think uh, we're up to two now. Oh, are we up to two? I think we're up to two. Fuck yeah. Yes. We're on our way, AJ. Uh, thank you for listening, and we will see you next time for Three Guys in a Flick. I'm Don. I'm John. And I'm Ken. Thanks for listening. both fucking suck and I hate you.